Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? Choose vaults. Choose to survive. Choose a mutation. Choose a bandit clan. Choose a big fucking truck with spikes on the front. Choose radiation sickness, spam, old videotapes and air raid sirens. Choose poor health, high cholesterol and no teeth. Choose paying protection to the local warlord. Choose a starter weapon. Choose whoever else isn't dead yet. Choose leather trousers and matching armour. Choose unpurified water on higher purchase in a range of fucking flavours. Choose DIY and wondering who the fuck you were on Sunday mornings. Choose sitting on a tyre watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing mutant fights, stuffing fucking fried rat into your mouth. Choose rotting away at the end of it all, pishing your last in a miserable, burnt-out building, nothing more than embarrassment to the selfish, fucked-up thugs you recruited to protect yourself. Choose your wasteland. Choose vaults. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. <laughs> Hi everyone. Welcome to episode 10, ten of the podcast. Oh, it's going to get ripping live in here. Um, today we're going to talk about the newest uh, episode. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Robin. How are you today? That was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Hi! Capitol Hill to work out a compromise healthcare. Hello, Patch. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Episode 10. We did do episode 10. Double digits. High five. That Power. was a live five that from the radio a, there. It probably five. killed your headphones. Uh, sorry, guys. Um... We will be sending out a fresh pair of headphones to anyone. Uh, you can write in to us and say, my headphones broke. We'll just send you a pair. We, won't, we might not even buy We'll just find headphones. You, you've got lots of earphones lying around. They always break. We'll just send you some of them. But we made it to number 10. I'm, I'm impressed with us. Double digits. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Um, number that, 10. That's like nearly... We've nearly put down 20 hours of audio. Uh, yeah, about that. It'll be about that. That's... Mm-hmm. There, there, it's going to come close to the point where people could have a whole day marathon just listening to us. Oh, God. <laughs> I must be really bored in that uh, case. Hang on, I'm going to scooch my chair forward a little bit. Yeah, I, you don't want to spend 20 hours listening to us. I mean, not in one entire sitting, of I'm, course. Spread I'm it out sc- over a series of fortnights, <laughs> as we decided was best for this podcast. Although it's been a little while. Yes. Uh, there's been maybe we a week longer gap than there usually is just because life you know life happens and that uh sounds, there's nothing tragic happened <laughs> it's okay we've we're, been busy we're all, we're all very much fine yeah we've been busy um i took a little while uh, editing the previous episode and i just rolled over into the week that we should have recorded a new one what have you been up to we've got a bit of catch up and follow up to do i lended you apocalyptic girl Yes, you lent me Apocalyptic Girl. By Andrew, Andrew McLean. <laughs> um, same guy who wrote Headlopper. 
Yeah, Andrew McLean, what a guy. What a talented individual. Um, what did you think? Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as Headlopper. Um, mm. Just it was shorter, really. And um, it was interesting. A little. It's just I've, I'm just more of a fantasy than a sci-fi guy. Yeah. You know, Apocalyptic Girls, a science fiction girl on a, I think, a ruined earth. Yeah. Uh, but uh, things transpire. You're not too sure where it is. I, I won't spoil it for you. If if you, listener, are indeed wanting to read Apocalyptic Girl. Um, it was good. Had some good bits. The uh, main character, uh, whose name you don't learn. I guess she's just Apocalypse. No, she's... um. She's got a number. No, her name is... It's something to do with the opera... Remember, because he keeps referencing Aria. opera. Aria. Yeah, so you do learn her name is Aria. Uh, she's very interesting, very human. Yeah. Uh, in this world of just chaotic, uh, you know, barbarian tribes. Mm-hmm. As always, the artwork was really nice. Yeah. Uh, just really good, simple style. I could just look at his stuff forever. It's like... Yeah. Because re- I've always really liked the Adventure Time really stripped back style. But uh-huh. It's that, but just with little extra bits, you know? Mm-hmm. More background, more stuff going on. Yeah, simple, like bold colors, yeah. good shading, good sense of tone. Um, but you didn't like it as much as Headlopper. No, nah, Headlopper is more my style. Just, I mean, I, I would agree with you. If Apocalyptic Girl was longer, um, it would. I, I think it would go toe to toe. This currently, I think Headlopper is better for me. I enjoyed it more. But it's more Apo- common. If Apocalyptic Girl was longer, I would have enjoyed that more. I like the style more. Yeah, fair enough, man. And there is more coming. 15th of March, guys. Headlopper. Headlopper or 2. Or Headlopper. Yeah, Apocalyptic Girl was just like a one-off, I guess. It was right? one shot, I think. Yeah. But like Headlopper's adventures continue, so catch up and uh, we'll probably talk about it in the future. I think we'll 100% talk about yeah. that. That's a it's going to turn into McLean cast. <laughs> the McLean cast. We'll be talking about Die Hard and Headlopper. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for lending it to me, Robin. <laughs> Stranger Things 2 has been announced and the trailer's been released. Have you seen the trailer? It was like a little teaser. Yeah, well, uh, it wasn't a full trailer. It was a bit of a it teaser. It was like an advert for some 1980s food. Mm-hmm. And then it uh, did a little... Um, what's the word? It, some static popped up. Yeah. And what, there was like a monster... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really remember it. Uh, Stranger Things is not my. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Stranger Things. Mm. I think I spoke. I think I spoke about it on the first podcast. Yeah, ever did. Um, so yeah, it's just. Oh, I enjoyed it, just not as much as everyone else seems to be. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, season two gets better. I will check out season two, just you know, see if it improves for me. Anyway, what what are your feelings? Well, obviously, I'm excited. I mean, I have professed my love to Stranger Things. Yeah, you, you Big did. time. Um, however, uh, and obviously, yeah, more is good. Hopefully, they manage to keep the same style, same continuity, same like level of detail, which made the first one good, yeah. in my opinion. Um, and hopefully, they don't let that fall by the wayside. Now they've got a bit of fame, fame and traction behind them. But more to the point, did you see that acceptance speech? Yeah, it was pretty uh, powerful it, stuff by uh, Sheriff uh, Gruff. Gruffface. Sheriff McGruffface. Sheriff McGruffface. And did you see Winona Ryder's insanity? Oh, Winona Ryder was wasted. <laughs> no, like, wow. Right. He was just up there. She didn't know what was going on. He's like, this guy's doing a speech. I'm just going to make faces and react to it. And yeah. the way that she's trying not to look drunk, but 
very very clearly it was hilarious yeah it was. i love winona Ryder. it was kind of cute it was like oh yeah. you're a human as well i wanted to give her a big hug and take her home and just tuck her into bed yeah with a glass of water like, yeah there you go mate just there you go you've had enough pal <laughs> go on <laughs> call her a cab someone call winona Ryder a cab if this is a real reader so i'd have a little button of like a tire screeching away yeah. Um, but we're not like shock jocks <laughs> someone call her a cab she's a western <laughs> no get on you get on you Winona yeah I'll, I d- yeah it endears make it endears her more to me is that a phrase that people yeah, use yeah yeah um, big time and that was an intense speech so that's the um, <laughs> that's the media catch up we've got so far um, we've got yeah. anything else catch up mm, wise no um there's also some Wasteland catch-up. I don't know if you've been seeing the uh, recent Fanny Beasts and uh, Mad Max's Man Meat trade war that's been going on outside. Oh, the uh, the industrial espionage. It's been outrageous, it's less really. espionage, more just uh, throwing uh, assorted, un- unidentifiable meat products it's been at each other <laughs> over a fence. Really, mate? Well, they, they are next door to each other. Yeah, so that's some bad business business decisions on on the part of the fatty beasts there. I know. Well, you know, I heard down the grapevine. Segway, Segway told me that um, Mad Max and Fanny Beasts used to be an item. Really? Yeah, they used to be together. Hmm. And apparently something went down, and you know, now it's all the knives are out. Knives are out. Quite literally, mm. the knives are out. Although, I don't know. It just all depends, again, on what sort of thing you like. Um, I'm not a huge fan of eating uh, human flesh, really. <laughs> you know? Mad Max is pretty straight up on the fact that he's a cannibal. He, he is. sells human human meat. Uh, I like horrifying. his honesty. I've always, always liked the honesty. But how does he choose his, his uh, produce? Does he just go and kidnap people in the dead of night? Well, he's always said, like, he only takes raiders. Only raiders, okay. Yeah. Or only organic raiders. <laughs> only free-range organic raiders, okay. You know? So they've been outside, they've had time to run about. Right. So it's ethical. Whereas, yeah, but still, it's a person. I don't want to eat a person. Apparently, once you start eating human meat, like, you go a bit nuts. Hmm. I've heard this from well, real-life accounts of people eating people. M- well, Mad Max is called Mad Max. Oh, and he is a, a bit twitchy. He's a bit twitchy, but you get like withdrawal symptoms if you don't eat it. You yeah. know, it's like you get there's something about eating people, <laughs> something in our skin. Maybe because everyone's so unhealthy these days. Yeah, I mean, most of us do have radiation poisoning. Yeah, yeah, um, we all have it mildly. I mean, look, I, I, I mean, I frequent them both. To be honest, I treat them different. Like Mad Max is a treat for me, you know. I don't that's, always, a payday. that's a payday. That's like, I go out, I get a couple of arms, like maybe a thigh, that's maybe a couple of ribs. Right, okay. You know, um, and that's that's like a nice big monthly meal. But then, mm. you know, if I'm out in the wasteland, you know, cutting around and I just need a quick bite, I'll, I'll nip into the, the Fanny Beast's canteen. Yeah, it's like, um, I mean, the thing is, she's uh, taking, she's basically branching out mm. uh, and open branches in lots of old uh, burnt out Greg's buildings. Yeah. So it's quite fitting. She's uh, kind of like the new wasteland Greg's. You know, you don't know really what's in a Greg's, but it's nice. It's true. Same with the fanny Fanny. beasts. Uh, You don't know what animal it is. It's it's good. And it's filled with all kinds of preservatives and yeah. It's true. I just wish she wasn't so gruff when she spoke to me. 
Yeah, she can be a bit vile. I know. At times. Like really, she swears. She's always smoking. <laughs> She's always smoking. Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen her not smoking. How does she like? How does she constantly smoke? I don't. Well, I'm obviously like people are paying her in cigarettes. That's true. Uh, or tobacco. I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people. I kind of like to go out and catch catch my own wasteland food. Mm. You know, I wait for days next Survivor. to a rat trap. Um, sometimes, sometimes a cat goes in there. Ah, oh, it's like Christmas Day for me, and we still had such a thing as Christmas. Well, we don't really know what day it is, do we? Uh, no, not really. All I know is that it's episode ten. Oh, <laughs> fuck it. Uh, yeah. So sometimes you're waiting for days for in this rat trap, uh, and you just get tired of waiting. So pop in, uh, Fanny Beasts get a get some kind of unidentified meat. Pasty. <laughs> Audio log 17B. The staff continue to complain of what they describe as waking nightmares. The symptoms seem to include excessive sleepwalking, crippling migraines, and a strange feeling of miasma enveloping the camp. I feel that these must have something to do with the perpetual noise coming from the vault depths. I do not believe it to be anything more serious than an out-of-hand shared hysteria. I shall try to take more accurate recordings of the infernal wailing and perhaps some of the muffled mutterings of the affected staff during the night. Um, yeah, so I've been finding, like, pages of a diary lying around. Mm-hmm. As if our life is turning into a walking simulator. <laughs> diary pages and old uh, little cassette tapes. Yeah. It seemed to be some something seemed to happen here long ago. Uh before we arrived. So before before. Well, bef- no, like after the event, but before we got here. There was like a 6-month period of us just running around feral. Do you remember <laughs> those times? That was a good times. Yeah, we used to hang out in the woods, just naked, throwing stones at trains. Oh, it, was it was great. Good. Yeah. Was the trains weren't moving, of course, cuz yeah. like so Lots of homeless people kept jumping out trying to kidnap us, but we weren't. I just throw more stones. The feral days, I liked them. It was <laughs> good. Days. Just really get in touch with your, get in touch with with yourself. You, you learn who you really are. Uh, and I'm a fucking animal. <laughs> 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 so anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so when we found this place, <laughs> um, we just kind of moved in. There was no one here. It had a bit of a spooky vibe around it, but uh, I mean, it is it is an old like vault. Yeah, it's an old vault, abandoned for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had a cold and damp vibe about it, which is what I was looking for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was tired of hanging out in the scorching in the scorching radioactive summer. Yeah. Um, getting my skin all pocked and mar- pockmarked <laughs> and burnt. Uh, so yeah, I figured maybe there's some little pools of stagnant water in here. I can I can cool off in. Um, yeah, and ever since we've just been finding little pages. I, like I don't know, maybe someone's torn this diary apart. You never notice that it's always pages, never just a full diary. It's true. I mean, I've seen a couple like put on the the fridge door. Is uh, Segway Mutant just putting them on the fridge? You know how he likes to collect things. That's true, he's a um, hoarder. So I think I've seen a couple of them, and they have like weird symbols on them and things, so I think someone had a bad time in this vault. Yeah, I mean, we have an alright time, but it's not perfect. I mean, it, there's no jacuzzi. 
Well, I mean, there's those pools of stagnant water, but... <laughs> it's as close as you get. Yeah, you get, um... Yeah, that's as close as you get. That's somehow, try and make them bubble, but it just just amounts to just shaking the water yeah. around. <laughs> just blowing, you're blowing water, blowing air into the water. Yeah, and it's not clean water either. It's, like, properly, like... You come out filthier than you were when you went in. Yeah, it's bad. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> no, man, lore is hard. Lore Especially is hard. Especially improv lore. Improv <laughs> lore. Uh, should we just get to it then? So, what have you been playing, oh, watching, Robin. and reading? What what media have you consumed? A lot of telly. A lot of telly. A lot of telly, Robin, this week. Um, because full, I'm still playing Fallout 4 every moment moment I get. As much as I do love Fallout, we can't talk about it every week. Well, I cut it out from last episode because yeah. it was just, it was boring. Mm. Um, it just continues, my Fallout adventure continues well, you'll be happy to know. Um, yeah. Still doing Fallout. Still fall, still falling out. What telly have you been watching? <laughs> telly, Robin? Oh, let me tell you, I've been watching a show called Taboo. Taboo? I've not heard of this at all. Taboo is amazing. Uh, it Tom Hardy plays a scary bastard. Oh, God, I love this, because Tom Hardy playing a scary bastard is my favourite Tom Hardy. That's basically Tom Hardy's... Well, it's what he's best at. I would contend that. I think um, Tom Hardy's best role was in Locke. Uh, I didn't see Locke. Locke is just him in a car with one camera on him. He's the only actor in it. Just being this, like, it's very real. And it's just him being a very vulnerable character. Well, like carpool karaoke, but with... Real people. Sorry. No. I, hate, I hate to make a reference to that shite. <laughs> I, I, come on, it makes people happy. I hate joy. That's the thing. <laughs> yes, Whenever I see do. James Corden do anything, I'm like, Ugh, look God, at you, making, so happy. making people happy, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so what's Taboo about? Taboo, Robin. Uh, so Tom Hardy, uh, his father has died. Uh, in a most uh, mysterious manner. He went mad. Tom Hardy was away in the jungles of Africa for decades. Uh, and his father went a bit nuts without him. Um, every night he'd be out on the shores of the banks of the Thames, uh, chanting, lighting fires, hoping his son would come home. Then he dies. And his son comes back uh, for the funeral. He's like, I am the sole heir to my father's estate. And he has uh, gained a little piece of land in uh, Western Canada uh, called Nootka Sound. And this land is contested between... Uh, well, it's set during a time where the UK, the United Kingdom or the British Empire is at war with the United States. So I'm thinking around the 1700s. So basically everyone wants this bit of land that he owns. Uh, Native American land. But he's not giving it away. Because knows, he knows something. I'm, five, I'm four episodes in, and you don't quite know what he knows, but it's scary. He does lots of, like, weird, like, Native American, like, voodoo, like, all weird, like, voodoo, like, chanting, casting spells and shit on his own in the fire, going mm. mad himself. Has a very, like, Edgar Allan Poe feel about it. Yeah, man, that's what I was getting, the vibe I was getting, like, Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe. Well, it's weird because there's a lot of, like, political intrigue oh. and stuff because it's sort of, like... Why? Yeah, I don't know because well, it's good though because yeah. basically, it's people like every episode, people are like, "Sell me your land." Tom Hardy says the land's not for sale, and then the rest, and then the rest of the episode is him in his big old lonely house, which is all run down because his father was nuts, and his old Scottish care- caretaker, who is like the only 
nice guy in this entire series. Like yeah. every character is like awful. <laughs> Everyone is a terrible person, which is cool. I mean, this one word I would use to describe the show Taboo, starring Tom Hardy, is filthy. Filthy. Fil- it's just gritty. It's like dirty. Like it's set in well, like it's called taboo. It's called taboo, but like I mean, it's just everything about it is just like there's dirt on everything. <laughs> people are awful. <laughs> like the people are like ill. Everyone because it's like really like I guess realistic. Yeah. London at that time, London up until very recently, it's just been a cesspit of disease and stuff. So everyone is ill. Everyone is going around coughing. Everyone's having sex with prostitutes all the time. Um, and everyone has really, like, mental... Like, all the ex-sailors and Navy boys have, like, crazy tattoos all over them. Tom Hardy is just a bit nuts. He's just a scary man intimidating his way around the filthy city. <laughs> it's amazing. It's really, really good. Um, so, just different... It's a bit like Westworld in that you're not really sure what the end game is. Yeah, you're yeah. just like, okay, so I'll, just, I'll watch the next one, see what happens. It's very, very good. Yeah, no, I just I'm just looking forward to seeing how it ends, but it is a very like sort of like political thriller mixed with like gothic horror. Oh, cuz yeah. there's some kind of dark magic going on. And he seems to have like some post traumatic stress disorder of having like you know, like traveled back to England on a slave ship, and then the slave ship getting smashed about on the waves and him being the only survivor and like he has little flashbacks to like slaves locked up in the in the hold you know being like help us we're gonna die we're drowning Tom Hardy and he's like I gotta save myself and he has little flashbacks to that and Jesus yeah and everyone just thinks he's a like he's basically gone like native I guess is the term Mm -hmm. like he's spent loads of time in Africa and he's just abandoned his his civilized English ways but there's the real twist in this narrative is Maybe the civilized English ways aren't so civilized at all. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but yeah, it's very good. I recommend watching Taboo. Yeah. It's good. Oh, um, it sounds sounds good, man. It's really, really good. Um, I had no idea this even existed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just... I don't know how I heard of it. I think someone just mentioned Tom Hardy, BBC drama to me. I was like, that, that'll be nope, cool. That sounds good. Yeah. And I'm in. Um, I'm going to talk about a little short one, actually. Hi. Um... Have you heard the new Gorillaz song? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I did. I actually listened to it again just before coming in because I knew we were going to talk about it. Yeah? Um, yeah, I did hear it. What is, what, what's your takeaway? What do you think? Uh, it's, uh, it's like, it's, it's okay. But, you know, for, for Gorillaz, it's not, it's not an official new single. It's, it's like it's not like the gorillas next thing it's not going to be on the upcoming album oh really this year no it's just um it's just a little fun project they did with an artist much like their uh converse all-stars advert Mm -hmm. they did with uh andre 3000 do you think right it's a good wee track but it's just a little standalone i didn't know that Mm. I actually thought this was like this was a new single. This was the new direction. No, so it's not the sound of the album. Right. It's just, that's just random gorillas noises tacked on to uh, what's the guy's name? Badass poet. Is he a poet? He's a poet. He didn't know it. I didn't know it. Um. No. He's uh, okay. In that case, that kind of changes my opinion of it. Yeah, because it's just a little experimental thing. I don't really like it. Um, oh, okay. Because I, I was like. If this is the new sound of the album, I'm kind of worried. Mm. 
Well, did you hear um, what was the the album after Plastic Beach that Damon Auburn just the Fall? Yeah, the Fall that he just kind of puked out while he was on the road. <laughs> I didn't really like the Fall. Yeah, it was alright. Like it's got some interesting noises in it, <laughs> yeah. but Gorillas is one of those bands that I think the more like at the very beginning it was very just quite pure quite good sounds like 19 2000 was a really good album then demon days was the big like bombastic album yeah and then plastic beach was sort of it was okay plastic beach was pretty good it was good i i didn't like it so much and then yeah the fall was <laughs> quite literally a fall from grace oh. <laughs> i mean it was cool like it's quite good for a concert for an album that's been written on the road yeah uh, yeah i know I know. But, I don't know, the Gorillas used to be this massive, huge thing for me. Like, I got really into, like, the background and the lore yeah. of behind Gorillas. I got the, their big autobiography. I've got that, too. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, this is great. Yeah. Loads of good artwork in there. Yeah, but I, I don't know if that's... there's some, That's continuing. The lore is continuing mm-hmm. in the build-up to this new album. Like, all the characters are getting up to all kinds of cool stuff. Crazy things. Um, but, yeah, no, this new single that came out with... Uh, with the guy um yeah it's very like b-sidey like gorillas released a lot of like b-sides that are quite weird and experimental most mm-hmm. of them are good uh but i just no, not feeling it not feeling it i wasn't feeling it either but you know i'm very i'm put at ease now that i know that it's not the well i'm glad i could do that for me yeah bring um, you down thanks man from that ledge <laughs> from the ledge and the subject of new music mastodon are uh, releasing uh, new singles as well I never got super into Mastodon, but... Man, I really enjoy Mastodon. Yeah. Uh, they're good, crazy uh, prog metal, I guess, is the genre. Like They're definitely prog, yeah. Yeah, it's very just, like, crazy. Like, it's the kind of stuff you can't really listen to with other people because they just think you're weird and a bit of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but I love them. Um, and they released two singles, which uh, are both very different sounding. One is, like, you know, traditional, just, like, you know, shouty, gritty, like, angry, like, metal... The other one is more of a kind of like melodic sort of Macedon sounding tune. They're both very good. Um, I think they're going like for another like concept album. Mm. Like their big one, their big concept. They're, they're always releasing concept albums by going into space or climbing up like a massive mountain fighting monsters. This one seems to be all quite, uh, I don't know, desert themed. Getting lost Ooh. in the desert and kind of like, you know, evil Arabian nights kind of a feel from what I'm getting from the artwork and stuff. But yeah. It's good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I always look forward to a new Macedon album. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just on the subject of new albums, Mastodon, baby. Mastodon. Uh, that's really cool. Um, what else? Oh, I saw, I saw the new Elder Scrolls Online trailer. Okay. From um, new expansion Morrowind, mm-hmm. and I have to say, it made me pretty excited. I mean, I've, it's a good trailer. I've never played Elder Scrolls Online. But mm-hmm. as as I mentioned previously, Morrowind was one of my favourite games of all time. So yeah, so with the Elder Scrolls game, they're all split up into different, what, regions of that regions, world? Yeah. So Morrowind is like where the elves live? The Night Elves. The not, night elves. not Night Elves. Oops. Wrong wrong franchise. <laughs> um, the Dark Elves. They come from the Morrowind. Dunmer? Dunmer, yeah. Dunmer. Good, good, I'm learning. Good brain, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember that from uh, the Skyrim. Um, Dunmer, yeah. And Morrowind's a big island. Okay. And it's like, oh man, I just love Morrowind because it's so otherworldly and it's so weird. Mm. 
but yeah I have to say like there was a little like my, my heart welled up when like it zoomed out and then you got the Morrowind theme oh is it like um, little references back yeah, to Morrowind and yeah. you could see Vivek which is the capital city of Morrowind cool oh man it just it, it made my nipples to stiff Okay, well, maybe we both can get into um, Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, I was looking at this, but it's a big commitment, man. Yeah? Yeah, like, big upfront cost. I, like, so is it, is it one of those ones that you just pay for the game? Yeah. And but, that's it? But you'll need to pay for all of the subsequent, all of the previous DLC uh, and the most recent one. Uh, why can't... Why can't MMOs just do what Guild Wars 2 has done? And just, like, Guild Wars 2, I bought it six years ago yeah. so maybe coming on seven years ago when it first came out cost 45 pound <clears throat> i haven't paid for anything like it's just they release lots of updates patches expansions i haven't really paid for any of them it's just all added in well i think just, I, but there's a lot of microtransactions in the game i think so, the elder scrolls online model is actually pretty good it seems in similar the, to what guild wars yeah, 2 is because you just buy an expansion uh-huh um but it's like when you're trying to get into it from zero, it's, yeah. it's quite a high barrier to entry. I mean, I, maybe I'm just looking at this wrong, but certainly when I was looking at the like PlayStation Online page, it was like 40 quid for the collected pack, and then I would need to get Morrowind on top of that. Right. Oh, it's on consoles as well, eh? Well, mm-hmm. PlayStation, is it on? It's on Play. I was going to get it on PlayStation. I mean, because I'd be getting it on PC, because we've been talking about things, possibly, just a little update, we've been talking about maybe going into streaming things. Yeah. Um, and uh, that could be a fun one just to do, like, a once-a-week stream of Morrowind. It's true. Um, but there's also the thing of, like, time commitment. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It like, is an MMO. And yeah. And they are historically time sinks. Like, you need to put in a lot of time to get anything out of them. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll, we'll, we'll research it. We've got some ideas of things to do. Like that's that can that can go on the list. That can go on the the potential maybe future thing to do list. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I do like I do like the Elder Scrolls. Um, they're good good games. Um, yeah, no, so that looks exciting. But as I say, a CGI trailer for a game like mm, I know I know you could do anything with CGI and just be like, this is what our game is going to maybe sort of resemble a bit. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with CG trailers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, CG, I went to see the Lego Batman movie. Oh, how was it? Ah, oh, it's, it's it's magical. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's really really good. Because the uh, the Lego movie was brilliant. Oh right? yeah, it was a hell of time. Yeah, brilliant. and they managed to do it again with Lego Batman. <laughs> really? It's weird because they've uh, they had a little short film at the start, like Pixar sometimes do, mm-hmm. just to kind of get you. Like, you know, the warm-up act. Yeah. And uh, the short film wasn't very good. It was, like, too... Um, I'm going to say childish. Yeah. It was, like, a sort of little cartoon for, for like, six, seven-year-olds. Like, it was a, you know, a chicken mucking around with a kung fu master. And they were just having a fight. And it's like, oh, this chicken has defeated me. Oh, no. And it's like, oh, is this going to be the tone of the movie? Right. But after that, uh, actually... Probably about three minutes into the Lego Batman movie, um, I was in. Sold. It's like really good. It gets you straight away. Just they establish a tone very quickly. And what's the example? So they're flying over Gotham City. It still opens with like this big cargo cargo plane filled with every type of explosive. Like they list them off like 1,000 sticks of dynamite, 
two million, uh, two million of those little classic bombs that you see in cartoons, <laughs> hundreds of C4, and it's piloted by two best friends, <laughs> and they're just in the front cockpit, being, yay! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, this is gonna be good. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, Batman has a cool, writes a cool little theme song for himself at the very beginning that just kind of gets you really in the mood for like, yeah, come on, Batman. Um, it was, I mean, yeah, it was very good, very funny as well. I'd say funnier than the Lego Movie. Like the Lego Movie was good. Yeah. Uh, but this is just like funny. It's just really, really decent, good bit of filmmaking. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's every Batman, every iteration of Batman is this Batman. Like really, they, re- ref- they keep referencing the idea that he's ninety years old, and they keep <laughs> like making references to like, well, they don't lot well, references, but it's like you know you've been through. You've been through this stage, this stage, this stage, and this stage, and each stage is like a different Batman movie poster. Yeah. Um, and then it goes right back to like classic like Batman, where he's got like the big like where he's holding, where he's like shooting people with a gun and stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. <clears throat> uh, no, it's so it's really good. Uh, I won't give too much of the plot away. There's not much to spoil, but I think it's worth just seeing because uh, I would recommend it. Go see the Lego Batman movie. It's a it's a good time. I saw a trailer for another Lego film. There's like a Lego, it looked like ninjas. Oh yeah, Ninjago. Yeah. Which is like their own, Lego's own sort of like range of like Lego ninjas. Um, that looks more, that looks like it'll be less of a film that, you know, grown up boys. Like us. <laughs> man like boys yeah. like us. Less of a film for man boys and more of a film for boy boys. Just young boys. For <laughs> <laughs> young boys. <laughs> yeah. Just looks like a film for kids really. Yeah. Uh, whereas... You know, you get kids' films that grown-ups can enjoy, like me and you. Uh, but this just—I well, think that's the art of a good kids' film, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it could be good, mm. but it's not something I'm innately interested in. It's like Lego, is like a movie based on literally just uh, a toy range. So you're not interested in the Emoji Movie, no? <laughs> you don't want to go see the Emoji Movie. 2017's release of the thousand years never the, em- the emoji movie never utter that filth do, in this do, vault do, again do not Robert. want to see never the, the emoji movie I will never have that but, film mentioned but, in this vault again but this film about emojis there's a smiley one there's a poopy one there's a posh one you know what actually I, I this this is a bet that can be claimed by any listener and you mm-hmm. if paint nail hands emoji is in the Emoji Movie. Okay. I will review it on this podcast. I will watch the whole thing and I will review it on this podcast if Paint Nail Hands Emoji is in the Emoji Movie. Okay. Well, you can take that bullet. I'll take that bullet. Okay. Um, yeah, so look forward to Robin's review of the Emoji Movie, which I hope to never hear. God, I hope that... God, I hope the Paint Nails Emoji isn't in this. Why are they making an Emoji Movie, Robin? I don't know, man. What is wrong with the world today? Swiftly moving on. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be a lot of disappointing films this year. Last year was really good for movies. There's gonna be good ones, man. There's the Jumanji reboot. Yeah. Yeah, starring Dwayne the Rock's Johnson. Oh, there is um. And Karen Gillan's in it, which you know, I've always had a soft spot for Karen Gillan. There is Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Also starring Karen Gillan. What's the film I'm thinking about? Uh, Harrison Ford? Uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner 2. Blade Runner. Well, it's called like Blade Runner 2047 <laughs> or something. Because it's in the future. Um, 
I I'm into it. I, I hardly saw, remember. The I first saw the trailer and I was like, "This looks pretty good." Yeah, it looks good. Oh, I said Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling and and Harrison Ford. Nice. I'll need to watch the first one again. Mm. Like, it's like when uh, Ghost in the Shell comes out, I'm gonna watch the original. No, actually, you know what? Ghost in the Shell this year. Um, we've got. We've got um. The Jumanji movie. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Blade Runner. Ghost um, in the Shell, Blade Runner. We'll have um, the game Cyberpunk 2020 or 2077. Will that be coming out this year, though? I think it's slated for this Cyberpunk. year. Cyberpunk. Will we see a Will we see a trailer for Cyberpunk at E3? Oh, place your bets now. No, my bet is no. My bet is yes. But you don't ask questions, then, brother. I'm your man. No! Warlord Beefsticks, Beefstick Brew. You can buy it today from any good wasteland uh, seller. Mark, we just give them away uh, and hope that they come back with the money. It is made from the finest um, insect repellent and uh, fertilizer we find. There is also some engine oil in there because one thing we're not short of in the apocalypse is engine oil. Because none of our cars work. <laughs> Corn and beef and grease and meat. Corn and beef stash beef stack. Brr! 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 There is a documentary series on Netflix called The Evolution of Hip Hop. Uh, it's really, really good. Very well-made documentary uh, by a guy whose name I do not remember because I didn't make a note of it. Silly me. Um, but yeah, it's very short. Like, you know, disappointingly short. Uh, but it kind of covers a very particular era of hip hop. Namely, the birth and evolution thereof. Mm-hmm. So it kind of picks up in the 1970s, the late 1970s. In New York, a lot of uh, rich people are spending all their money going out to discos, dancing away. Meanwhile, in the ghettos, people are too poor to afford to go to discos. So they throw house parties in the little, like, basically, basically the common rooms of, like, the tower blocks that they live in. Yeah. Taking all the best disco records and basically sampling them and looping them. Um... Yeah, and it just covers how it kind of went from like samples and loops of just the beats because that's there wasn't much in the way of lyrics, just lots of sampling beats, people dancing, people you know then taking on break dancing, and then the MCs like the original like rappers were just people doing shoutouts to people that were at the party, and just rapping up you know just rhythmically just saying like their names. And it talks about how the original rappers got their influence from old like blues tracks, how people like very people sang in a way that was very just sort of like yeah that kind of just a sort of rhythm then it moves on to kind of how that how um grandmaster flash and the furious five released the message and that was like the first huge like hip-hop single because it was very much like this is this is how people live in new york but it was also a very you know a very good tune even today like people listen to it yeah and what an impact that made on society at the time um just talks about the social and uh, cultural impact of hip-hop in the 70s through to the 80s and then talks about how run dmc really uh, kind of brought hip-hop back to 
back to the ground level. Whereas Grandmaster Flash and lots of uh, an Africa Bambata, who's another guy whose name I learned off, who's very good, whose name I can never spell because it's got lots of A's in it. Because <laughs> it's like more, it's like Africa with a double A, Bambata, and there's like a double A in there somewhere. Mm. Uh, he's very good. Uh, actually, and there's an Africa Bambata tune in the Lego Batman movie, oh. which I wouldn't have known if I hadn't watched Hip Hop Evolution. I was like, oh, that's Africa Bambata. Um, anyway, so they were all very like flashy, like, f- you know, you see kind of like quite, uh, seven, they were all like 70s sci-fi, Rick James style, like flashy, yeah. flashy sequence suits, loads of like, you know, like 19 belts, loads of just like accessories. And then Run DMC come along and they're just wearing like Adidas all over just things that like the kids wore and uh, they actually went so far as to write a song called my adidas which is very good and they invited uh, and they decided oh we can actually make some money out of this they invited uh, adidas reps to one of their gigs and they did this song my adidas and in the middle of the song they were like everyone hold up your adidas shoes and show us you're wearing them and every everyone was like adidas and then that was the first the first non-sport related adidas advertising contract was with run dmc Wow. Yeah. Um, so that was a really good wow. 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 That's awesome. It's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, it was really interesting. You just learn a lot about kind of the culture of hip hop and how it evolved through right through to the late 80s. Um, there's only four episodes, which is a shame. I want more. Yeah. I've not even watched it and I want more. Yeah, I want more. So it comes up. Basically, uh, the fourth episode is how it is going to cover how hip hop translated to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, basically how I think it's going to be about NWA and kind of how they did their own thing with hip hop Yeah, because there was a whole other a whole other uh, thing going on in terms of like ghettos and kind of like uh, you know black and white, white race relations like police brutality and all that so I want to cool. see kind of how well I've been putting off watching the fourth episode it's been weeks since I watched it because I don't really want to finish it yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but it's really good. Uh, so, Hip Hop Evolution, that's on Netflix. I'm into that. That sounds good. Yeah. Really good. So, I might watch the next episode, the last episode and follow up. Yeah. Who knows? That'd be a good follow up. Well, my exciting news. You got news? I have exciting news. Bring it on, Robin. I can't wait to hear. I'm upgrading my gear. Big time. Ah, uh, is this a Tech Boys segment? Yeah, it is a tech boy segment. Uh-oh. Don't think it, don't uh, say it. No. <laughs> well, you tell me what, what you're doing. Well, um, no tech boys turned up. That's really nice. Well, they don't know what you're talking about That's yet. That's true. <laughs> you haven't told me. Um, okay, so I am getting a new MacBook. Nice. Um, depending on your stance. Depending on your stance. We won't get into that conversation. I am secretly furious, but I'm happy for you. Thank you. Like a disapproving father at his son's gay marriage. Well, good, good job. Happy that you're happy. Um, I'm glad. But I'd rather you had married a woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so I, for the longest time, have been running an old 2011 model of a MacBook Air. Yes. Um, re- I mean, it was perfect for my needs at the time. Because mm-hmm. um, I needed something that was light, that could process the things I needed to do. That's what I needed it for. However, as time has gone on and you try to do stuff like multi-track audio recordings or like any kind of image processing on a machine that has two gig of RAM, you're going to run into problems eventually. Yeah. So I've just decided to go all out and make the upgrade to what I 
I deemed the best thing to fit my needs in the Apple line currently, which is actually the 2015 MacBook Pro model. Okay, not the so, brand new one. But two years ago now, I guess. Yeah. Okay, cool. So cool, not cool, the cool, one cool. that has the touch bar. Oh, because there's a new one with a trackpad, yeah. right? Uh, and, but they dropped all of their ports. And whilst I could get around that with like USB adapters and things like that, I just thought... Just get one with ports. No, that's, I'm going to get a cheaper deal and it's going to be more, more fitting to my needs. So I've got the top, top, top of the range 2015 model. Like the largest processor that they could put in it, the largest amount of RAM you can get in it, everything. Um, and I'm so excited. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to be able to like, you know, do work on the website without wanting, making my brain explode and things like that. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to be able to play any like these games probably yeah uh, if they've got mac release then yeah yeah because i mean again back to the streaming i've been looking at games that we could potentially play together yeah and a lot of them are because it's early a lot of steam games are early access this like windows only it's like it would be nice to play this together but got mac i know sorry yeah. it's all right i just something to think about next time you upgrade 10 years mate <laughs> 10 years time possibly um I don't know, just, just yeah. Um, however, uh, so obviously I've done that, but I've also thought, you know what, if I'm going to do an upgrade, might as well do a full upgrade, so I'm getting a new mouse as well. A new mouse? I'm getting a new mouse. OMG. I am getting a Logitech MX Master. Logitech. Logitech are good. They make good mice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it is, it is beautiful. Mm. It's got like a weighted roller in it. Oh. I think all my oh. accessories are Logitech. Logitech make good peripherals, I got man. Logitech speakers, a Logitech keyboard, mm-hmm. a mouse. Yeah, they're good. But that that's the gear I'm currently, I'm going to be, I'll have this. By the time I'm, probably by the time you listen to this, if not by the time I'm editing this, I will have my new gear. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope this podcast sounds a thousand times better. <laughs> it's going to be so much better as a result of it. I'm also considering, since I'm getting a new mouse as well, getting a new keyboard to fit with it. But I'm not. I, I'm not sure, because I quite like one of these like fancy, clicky mechanical keyboards. Well, mechanical keyboards, but it's all about aesthetics. Whether you like the chunk, 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 which I quite do. Yeah. But if you're trying to be quiet, like say, you know, you're doing some late night Fallout Four, and uh, you don't want to wake the girlfriend or the pet rats. It'd be nice to have a quite a nice Mac spongy keyboard so you could just like silently tap away. But then you come in, you press. So my computer is always on sleep. Mm-hmm. So hit the space bar to wake it up. Chunk. But also because I run on traditional uh, hard drives and not solid states yet. Yeah. I would like to get a solid state drive. Actually, we can talk about them another time. Maybe when I get one. We can talk about this now. I'm I'm brilliant at solid states. Yeah, I'm excited about a solid state drive. I've been reading about them. I might. When I, I'm, I'm thinking of upgrading as well. Actually, just I can't afford it quite yet. Yeah. Because I got trip to Vegas to save for. Got possibly I might buy a car. Oh. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Should we finish talking about your thing? I'll talk about cars. Um. Yeah. I mean, just to finish off, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, con- I'm, considering on the the keyboard. I don't think I'll pull the trigger on that quite yet. I mean, keyboards are relatively cheap. You can just pick yeah. one up whenever. Good mouse mat though. Hmm. Good, nice to find. A good mouse mat is easy to find. Yeah, it's a mouse mat. They're like they yeah, cost. but you get like the the like a mat. Mm. It rolls out, covers your whole desk. 
I've got a big one. Wow. Love it. Because it also doubles. Because it's like a... It's like the size of an A3 sheet of paper. Yeah. And it's just... It's really nice. Just flattens on the desk. Doubles as a coaster. I use it for all kinds of things. Um, yeah. That's some good desk covering. It's, it's nice. Oh, I like it. A good mouse mat is... Because it's good for gaming as well. Because if you're like me, splashing out all over the place, just increase your sensitivity, mate. No, yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah, I definitely have. Um, why am I talking about mouse mats? Let's not go there. Right, we are waffling now. Yeah, so shall this, is, we, this is full waffle territory. Shall we cut into the main topic? Um, are you ready for that? I don't know if I'll ever be ready, Robin. Yeah, the main topic. Let's do it. No Transformers inquiry this week because I couldn't be bothered watching Transformers. It's really hard to like try and work yourself up to watch Transformers, especially when it's like homework. Yeah. Because for our main topic, like I was sort of thinking, I can go see it today, but when something becomes homework, it's a lot more difficult to it do. It changes your brain. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah. Because I was quite excited for watching our main topic this week, but then I was having to try, and then I was but. It was the pressure of time hmm. to fit it in. Well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, our main topic of the week is Train Spotting Two. Train Spotting Two, also known as T Two Train Spotting. T Two, I think that's the actual title. Yeah, by, it's a tra- yeah. Directed by Danny Boyle, written by Irvin Welsh. Yeah, part of the ever-expanding Danny Boyle cinematic universe, including Sunshine, including Slumdog Millionaire. Including Train Spotting One, uh, he's done other films I can't think of. Are we just uh, making everything into a cinematic universe now? I think it's fun. I think it's I fun like to too. do that. I like to think about where that little Slumdog Millionaire is in the context of. <laughs> I like to think that maybe in the in the world of T Two Train Spotting, that uh, it, that Slumdog uh, Millionaire uh, episode of Indian Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is like a YouTube sensation yeah yeah like it got a million hits on youtube or something crazy that's funny and people talk about it oh remember that slumdog millionaire yeah whereas we talk about the movie they're like oh the, that actually boy. happened and then uh, at some point down the line uh sunshine's gonna happen you know yeah i don't know <laughs> right <laughs> i'm really weird with films like that so what was your verdict that was good i thought it was good yeah it was, it was an entertaining film I thought, you know, it's got roughly as as the t- at the time of recording and as I last checked, it's got about seventy five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that's deserving. Yeah, it's it's probably about seventy five percent. Yeah, I think that's that's about about right. Yeah, because it's, I think unless you've seen the first Train Spotting, mm-hmm. which I hadn't seen Train the first one until a week before I went to see Train Spotting two. Yeah. Uh, which is something people that always... That gives you a bit of an interesting perspective on it. Yeah, because it was fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. um, and I hadn't really hadn't really come round to me as this as this thing that had always been in my life. It wasn't like a huge... Well, of course, it was a huge like uh, cultural phenomenon. Like I was aware of train spotting and all the famous bits, but I'd never actually watched it. Um, so in the context of... If you haven't seen Trainspotting before, it's probably like an okay film. Yeah. It's a really good sequel. You know, it's kind of because it's just good closure to what happened back in the 90s. I would agree. Yeah. It kind of closes off the story. So uh, I'll just quickly run over what happens. So Trainspotting 2 essentially follows the characters from Trainspotting 1. 
Begby, Sick Boy, Redbone, and Spud. Spud. Now, basically, this is 20 years after the events of Train Spotting 1, and there is some contrivance that means Renton has to return to Edinburgh. Shenanigans. His mum dies, but that's not why he returns. He like has to leave Amsterdam because he gets kicked out of his house or something like that. Oh, that's revealed later. R- regardless. Spoiler um, alert, by the spoiler, way. That's minor. Yeah. Um, Renton has to return back through a contrivance. At the same time, Begbie has been released from prison. Or ha- well, has he escaped escapes. prison. That's pretty good. I like Shenanigans that. ensue. Yeah. Um, that's 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 the basic What setup. can only be described as shenanigans. That's that's what happens in Trainspawn 2. Um... Yeah, so uh, there was a couple of things that I uh, I thought were weird from a cinemata- cinema cinema cinematography Cin- point of view. Yeah, cinematography point of view, namely, and I want to get this out straight away. You know the choose life segment. Yes. Did you think the sound dubbing on that was really fucking weird? Do you mean maybe? Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't really think about that, but I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, thinking, yeah. If anyone, anyone who hasn't seen it or is going to see it or going to watch it again, watch that scene. And it's like... Yeah, because he does the whole choose life thing. Yeah, does the whole choose life thing. But it's like the audio doesn't mesh up with the video quite right. And it's really bizarre. It really jolted me out of the the segment. Okay. Um, It was like... I mean, I know they do a lot of uh, dubbing in films anyway that... The, oh, I mean, it's pretty the much, audio is yeah. recorded in post and then stitched back in, but it's like they did it badly and the levels hadn't been set quite right. Right. I, I felt there was like a weird technical issue there that I definitely noticed. Well, I mean, because there was a trailer, one of the trailers for Trainspotting Two was the updated Choose Life, like the twenty first century version. Yeah. And it feels like they just took the audio and plonked it in the film. Yeah. Um, and it's. It's weird. It's the old Rogue One problem again, where they just sort of like, here's the thing that you all wanted, a new choose life. Yeah. Um, which, but it was it, in the context of the film, it was it was all right because there was the girl who was like, "What is that, by the way? Why do you guys keep joking about choose life?" And then he explains it, and then he does a little example, and he gets carried away, and then and you get a little shred of insight into how Renton really feels about things that are going on with him. It's good. I think it works all right, but it no, was. I think the segment was great. I just thought there was like technical things there that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my only. That's my main like my main technical mm. niggle with with the film. Yeah. No, I was. It was a pretty good. I liked how. Um, I was gonna say something about Begbie. Begbie's a lot scarier in this film. Begbie's a lot. They've yeah. really upped the ante with Begbie. Because in Train Spotting One, he was just like a bam. Yeah, he was just a raj. <laughs> but like just a mental. But in this one, he's spent twenty years in the in the clink. <laughs> he's been twenty years twenty years in the neck will make a man crazy. Aye, and he 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 does get he's just angry. Like well, I suppose he's got he's clearly got anger issues in the first film. Yeah. But in this one, he's just... It's weird. It has a very Grand Theft Auto Five feel about it. Mm. You know? Like, I because like, it's like... I actually would have preferred Grand Theft Auto Five if, if Trevor had just been as unhinged as Begbie. I mean, yeah. I guess he is in a way. He is quite unhinged. But it's like... But there's no... There's more redeeming qualities to Trevor. I mean, things that make you like 
like endear you to him more. Well, Tre- Trevor's funny. Yeah, you spend more time with. Although Begbie has some good bits. It's not strictly humour though with Begbie. Yeah. With Begbie, you're laughing at the awkwardness of the situation he's created, rather than Begbie being funny in itself. And his son who never says anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, like that character of just this silent boy who's <laughs> just quite. He's unsure how to feel about his mental dad coming out of prison. <laughs> he's really, he's really got dad. his life in order. And all of a sudden, his dad comes back. <laughs> he's like, you're gonna fucking do stealing with me, son. <laughs> you're gonna come out burgling. And he just does it. He's like, oh, all right. <laughs> um, uh, but there is a good spoiler alert. Should we just do a wee little spoiler yeah, alert? Yeah, we could do spoilers. Right, um, spoiler alert. Just at the end, where like he has that... It's really nice. He has a little nice moment with his son. Yeah, it's very like, humanising. Listen, listen I, I was a bit of a fucking dick before. And... You're just a different man from me. So all the best to you. He does have a really good... Before that, have a good bit where he just... Says like, One, if you're really my son, you would have stabbed me. <laughs> like, what? Like, what? <laughs> Come on, Begbie. Right. Even for you. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. They made... Begbie became much more formidable. Yeah. Like, he is... Before, it was just like, oh, he's just like that Raj we've all met. But it's like, in the, in the sequel, he's... Like scary, yeah. Like, so like scary, mm. scary man. And um, he's got a gun as well. Oh, he's got never, a... never seemed like the kind of guy who would have a gun. A son off, yeah. So if he spent twenty odd years in prison, did he already have a kid in Trainspotting One? I'm fairly certain he had a kid in Trainspotting One. Yeah, I think so. Unless might be wrong. <laughs> unless I mean conjugal visits, I suppose. Ah, uh, true. Um, there is ways. Yeah. Could, it could happen. I, I was just sort of like, I guess it didn't really, it doesn't need explained, but I was like, how's he got a kid who looks younger than the amount of years he's been in prison for? Aye. Um, yeah, it's good to see Sick Boy again. Sick Boy was, I mean, all the characters were more, all the characters were more fleshed out apart from Renton. Yeah. You know, Renton was just, it was fish out of water. It was just like, oh, what are all these crazy guys up to? I'm just going to show up. I thought, because, um, Spud as well. Spud was another one. Spud and uh, Begbie. Two characters who really just got a lot better in this film. Yeah, Spud was an incredible character. Spud, like, stole the show from yeah. me. It was mainly a story about Spud, really. Yeah, it was. Started and ended with him. Um, It's like... Just, Spud is one of these people who is just a hapless fanny. You know? <laughs> Like, he's such a lovely, kind man. Yeah. But he's so completely incapable. Yeah, yeah. He just tries his best. Bless him. Um, and I like how he had, he'd had he been writing these stories about all this. Yeah. And that's kind of what brought the whole film together. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was, yeah, speaking of Scary Begbie, when he was just in, in Spud's flat. Yeah. And I thought, I was like, Begbie's going to die. I thought I thought he was gonna kill Be- I thought he was gonna kill Spud. Oh God! Yeah, that would have been. I thought that as well. I was like, I'm gonna start crying. I, I would have. I would have cried if, yeah. if Spud had died. Um, but then he was just like, because he was like, because I thought he was gonna do the whole thing of like. Well, I think that was the point. Set it up as a read this because it'll give me a reason to fucking go mental and yeah. throw you out a window. Whereas he started reading the stories and fucking Begbie got really into like. The character he got into all the the Begbie quotes that people have been doing for like twenty odd years. Yeah. Like, he was like, "Oh, I remember saying that. That was great." 
yeah. You just got really into Begbie. Um, Begbie got into Begbie. Um, yeah, it had a lot of... I think character-wise, it was really good. Yeah. Um, it was really... It's really bizarre seeing a film set in Edinburgh in the city that you're from. I know, like, you notice stuff, like, when there was the chase, Begbie chase scene. Right, one of our mates keeps bringing this up to me. Yeah, and it's like, either these are the fastest men on the planet, or they took some liberties with Edinburgh's geography. Well, of course, they, yeah, they must have, because that's how films work. I know, because it's like, the, like, two-minute cut of the chase scene, they probably covered about 15, 20 kilometres of Edinburgh. Well, I mean, it's all the old town they run around, isn't it? Oh, no, because they were in Cav. Uh, listeners who maybe aren't from Edinburgh. <laughs> Cav is an awful, awful nightclub in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah, it's where pretty stinking. It's stowed out with underagers. It's not a nice place. It's Cav the one on Lothian Road? Aye. Yeah. So they went from Lothian Road through Old Town. Oh, of course, yeah, because the way it's set up, then it looks back, like it's in the county. Then back to the car park, then down through Grass Market. Yeah. I, sorry, again, listeners who don't, aren't from Edinburgh. Basically, just... They took a lot of liberties with how this chase scene works. The thing is, if you're listening from New York or LA or Vancouver, any films, any cities in which films are traditionally set in, you might have experienced this yourself. Yeah, true. How does Spider-Man swing from Times Square and already show up in Central Park in two seconds? You know, it was that whole thing with um, realising that Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and Daredevil are like, six miles apart from each other because New York's fucking huge <laughs> I think I've talked about this during Luke Cage because yeah. they've all heard of each other but only on the news um, so I suppose but it is weird go, being in the cinema looking at shots of Edinburgh for two hours then coming out of the cinema be like oh I'm, I'm here I'm in the film <laughs> <laughs> just go kick a boy's head because <laughs> I'm <begging> there <laughs> Because I went to see a, a film in the ce- uh, cinema in the centre of town. Yeah. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was. I was just like, the cab is literally around the corner from the cinema I was in. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh, it's weird. And I went home past the flat that a uh, sick boy lives in. Oh, well. wow, that's uh, good. So it was just bizarre. I was like, I'm going on a studio tour after <laughs> I haven't seen the film. Um, yeah, it's weird. And also, like, now looking out for those places after seeing the film like the bar that uh sick boy owned port sunshine that's not really in leith though is it i've i'm not have no idea where that is that looks like a part of that looks like that looks like a little bit of village that i keep seeing on the <laughs> we're gonna get really into edinburgh geography guys <laughs> this looks like a little bit of village like on the motorway just as you're heading out west from Portobello along the bypass mm-hmm. there's like a little strip of buildings by a farm I was like I thought that was like there like West Lothian way Who but knows? apparently it's in Leith but that's how that's filmmaking for you though isn't it that's true so strange this review is mainly going to be me talking about how films are made <laughs> how it makes cities look weird um I thought it was really funny as well there was a lot of good humour in it Aye. um like the the bit where Spud is talking about daylight savings time. <laughs> he didn't realise that was a thing. Oh, my word. <laughs> it's so funny. It was, oh, that's He's like lived his entire life. Such a good gag. Like, because the setup's incredible and the way it's cut is incredible. So it's essentially Spud saying, oh, I, I did this and I was an hour late. And then I did this and I was an hour late. And like, through the process of him being an hour late for all these things, his life falls apart. Yeah. And then someone's like, 
Have you not heard the daylight savings time? And then Spud's like, I'm a, I've been a junkie for 20, 20 years. How am I supposed to know about daylight savings time? You just need daylight savings time. It's just, just an excellent, excellent joke. Yeah. Really well set up. That was good. And um, yeah, again, Spud's son, who just kind of keeps <laughs> looking at him and shaking his head. Like he never says anything. Yeah. Like every time he visits his, uh, I guess his ex-wife or like, I guess the woman he had a, baby with yeah um she obviously still has some feelings towards him but his son uh, we we derek uh-huh. obviously not so we know as he keeps saying um just looks at him and just shakes his head like yeah. every time he's just like you fuck up <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's really funny joke even though he's trying his hardest uh and that um that must be craig miller as well that looks like it not craig miller fucking Nidri or something like that. Nidri, looks, Craig Miller. Looks Pelton, like a, yeah, like looks like that sort of weird little shore, shore side. Although Nidri's not on the shore. No. Edinburgh geography, folks. Come visit our beautiful town of Edinburgh. Um, which is something I have to... They did kind of make Edinburgh look a bit seedier than it actually is. Seedier and more exciting. Yeah, like yeah. Edinburgh's definitely not like the way it's portrayed in the film. Uh, no, but is anywhere like it's portrayed in the film? That's a very good point. Yeah. Very good point. I mean, come on. Uh, well, I suppose New York, everyone who goes to New York says it's just like the movies. <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, I think that's because of the collective amount of movies that are set in New York. Yeah, I suppose we could make a film about what Edinburgh is actually like, and then that could spark a thing of people just setting films in Edinburgh, but... Edinburgh not really being the third character. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. I'm going to cut that out. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Also, beautiful scene um, when Spud is trying to go clean. Oh, yeah. And then there's the shadow of Spud on the wall um, of him, like, going and taking heroin while Spud is actually in the corner just, like, wigging out because he's trying to go sober. Um, I thought it was a film of lots of great touches. There are lots of nice little cinematic yeah. bits and bobs in there. Um, yeah, like uh, like going back, like uh, Renton going back to his parents' house, mm-hmm. kind of seeing sort of having little flashbacks to the first movie. A lot of the flashbacks of the first film were really well done as well. Yeah, just let's take this bit from the film, pop it in, but it was like really integrated really well. Yeah. So again, like if you haven't seen the first film like it would still all make sense it's kind of convenient that they've got all that footage because it's people reminiscing about 20 years ago yeah whereas if you were to make a film that film from scratch now it'd be difficult to do that because there were a lot of original flashbacks in this film where they just i guess use body doubles mm-hmm. there's like a scene of uh sick boy and Renton like buying their first like score of heroin yeah and there was like the scene in the train station, uh, where they where they, you know, unwittingly meet uh, Begbie's dad. But it's like body doubles, and Robert Carlyle, I guess, is the part of Begbie's dad, just in like homeless person makeup. It's right. all all the flashbacks are really well done, integrated really well into the film. Oh, I liked it. Um, I liked how they used the flashbacks, and they used the sort of theme of where they live. Um, specifically, like, Spud lives in one of the tower blocks that's about to be demolished. Uh-huh. Or actually, at, at the time of recording, is demolished now. It's gone. Um, they filmed gone. the demolition for the credits. They filmed the credits. 
it's something I really like because I think, I don't know if this is a theme they were trying to go for, but it's almost like these people are forgotten. They are from a, they're dinosaurs from a time that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. They are, they are not from the world that we live in. They're not from the world of today's Edinburgh, today's world. Sure. Like, and, and the way they made these people talk and interact with each other and interact with characters like uh, the lawyer. Obviously, she oh, was yeah, in the first the, one as yeah, well. Yeah. And she's very much engaged with the modern world. And uh-huh. how, like, she's almost just like, oh, you guys are... Still living that you're, life. You're jokes. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a joke, you know? I really like that. And they're still... Because it, the whole living in the past thing is sort of, um, you know, made explicit by... They have a whole scene where they're trying to explain to this uh, Bulgarian... Uh, girl who George Best is yeah and they just like know who he is they're huge fans of like George Best even though he's not been relevant for like 25 odd years but they're getting as excited about it as if it happened today yeah yeah um it was good I think it was um yeah they just uh, the thing the thing is like where as watching train spotting one for Mm -hmm. the first time like I did that is a 90s ass movie like everything about it, like screams like this is the nineties. Like from the music to the way like people dress to like language and you know, like you were saying. Whereas like this one, I think carries that on as like this is explicitly a movie of this time. Yeah. Like it deliberately takes a lot of things that are relevant to this time. To uh, if we watch Train Spotting two in twenty years. Yeah. We're gonna be like, oh, remember the twenty tens? Those were crazy times, right? Well, yeah, they make a point of using like technology that will obviously look dated yeah like the thumb drive where he tries to blackmail the guy uh-huh they all have the phones that were at the time of recording out of date you know to, to deliberately make it to date age. it yeah um well i hope it's and they make a big thing of the trams as well yes trams are not topical but they're like they're sort of the new thing of the moment of the moment whereas in 20 years time we'll be like why are you making such a big deal about trams been here for ages they're all over the city <laughs> Because um, they fucking better be. Just speaking of trams, <laughs> like, for a moment. Like, they've put so much money into that project. They better just expand it. Because it's kind of shit how it just sort of ends. The line, and more local Edinburgh news, the line just sort of ends at, like, a crossroad. There's not, like, a proper, like, depot. Yeah. It's just sort of, okay, the tram's here now. It's going to go back. Um, Just Weird. for for any listeners outside of Edinburgh, it's impossible for a citizen of Edinburgh to mention or hear about trams without moaning about Edinburgh City's trams. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's just like, it's just a universal fact. Try this for yourself, right? Say if you live in London or anywhere. If you meet someone from Edinburgh, just men- don't don't deliberately mention trams. Just bring them up a conversation and watch what happens. Just say like, oh, I was in Bordeaux and I got a tram to the harbour. Yeah, and just watch them explode. Because they'll be like, oh, I oh, bet they're oh, trams. I bet, I bet their trams go all over no, the city. They're really better. convenient. God, our trams. Bah. Our trams could be good. They could go. I really don't care. I know. I know. This is like a five year old. This is stale news. <laughs> this is it's just so boring. Yeah. Um, this was a thing, I guess, because it was like a 10 year old construction project. Yeah. Day, so we just heard it, talked about it non stop for 10 years. And now they're here. <laughs> And you can't really get them anywhere unless you're going to the airport. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It is weird. Anyway, sorry, I'll stop that now. Anyway, tram. Segway mutant came in on a tram. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, it was. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, another hilarious joke. I thought the jokes, they were f- right. So I, I do think the jokes were great, and I think there was overall a lot of humor in the film. Right. But I think the jokes were few, but the jokes were big. Yeah. Like, um, like the big build-up of the sixteen ninety. The sixteen ninety. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Because what's wonderful about that is it explains the joke before the joke happens. Well, because people who aren't from Scotland will not understand. I know, but like, think of the skill of dialogue in that. That well, exactly. Explain a joke yeah. without ruining the joke. Well, what's really good, I think, again with the George Best thing, the character of the girl from Bulgaria, who's like, you know, just, I think she's really good as a character who represents foreign people watching a film about Scotland. Yeah. Because they just explain very important Scottish things like George Best or Catholicism versus Protestantism to her. And then film audiences go, oh, this will set up this next joke that's coming, which is they they basically steal a bunch of credit cards from uh, this really heavy, I guess like a, like a, basically a club full of like, protestants who are very yeah like angry, angry very people. protestant protestants yeah like like almost like almost not real yeah you know <laughs> to uh, the point where it's like people like just don't exist come on but to the point of the but film but in the book apparently in the book porno that joke is a lot quicker mm-hmm. uh like spud's cousin is uh is a guy like that like he's really um what there's a specific term for like people who can't let go of that um uh you know the king prince charles or whatever it was yeah they're called racists that's the one he's a big racist retainers retainers someone like that we can unionists unionists yeah because they're all about the queen and royalists stuff. royalists loyalists loyalists possibly anyway so all of these apply yeah you, if you've seen Trainspotting 2, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you've read porno, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a lot quicker, the joke in porno, apparently. Because Spud's cousin is really into that sort of thing. And they steal his credit card so they can buy uh, some camera equipment. So mm-hmm. they can film the porno. And uh, they're like, oh, how are we going to know his PIN number? And uh, Sick Boy's just like, oh, it's obviously 1690. And that's the joke because yeah. it's based in Edinburgh. People from Scotland are going to read the book and know, haha, I get it. But they have to, obviously, they have to explain it more yeah. for the movie. But I think it's good. I think it was beneficial. And it works really well. Mm. Yeah, it's that was funny. It's really scary. Another tense, scary, scary bit. Because well, the they, thing is, what I think is good about all of the tense things and what makes things scary within Trainspot and in Trainspot 2 is. We've all met someone like this, and, and and wherever you're from, you'll you'll have local li- literature that's similar to this. But Begbie, for example, is such a scary character because everyone has met a Raj like that. Yeah, everyone's met someone like that. That standard issue Scottish Raj who's just completely unhinged that only wants to hurt people and prove himself. Just as everyone's been in one of these pubs that's called the Legion. Or yeah, yeah. the miners, or one of these places, and you can't really say anything. Yeah, in one of these without people staring at you funny. Backwater batshit town in Scotland, with a picture of the Queen on the wall. Yeah. Um, and you go in and you see these people with tattoos on their necks of symbols you don't quite understand, but you know what they mean. <laughs> it just means you're gonna get your head. It means you're in. gonna be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and and he, this isn't to tar like just. Disclaimer, this isn't, this isn't to tar 
Catholics or Protestants with the same brush. Just saying, these people, no these people, mad people exist. It's the tar Rajis. <laughs> <laughs> just the tar mental people yeah. with the same brush. Um, I just thought I'd put that in there because I kept saying the word Protestant and then I was like, someone might kill me. <laughs> I might get car bombed at some point. Uh, so what were we saying about that? Yeah, everybody knows. Everybody, everyone who's grown up here can kind of relate to that kind of shit. Yeah. It's crazy. It's mad. And that's kind of what felt so surreal about it. It's just, I hope it has appeal outside of Scotland. Well, that'll be the true test. Even yeah. if it does well in England. True. Yeah. Uh, because Trainspotting 1 did. Trainspotting 1 was almost an international yeah. hit, you know? That, that got massive appeal. Um, but I don't know, because, again, because I've watched Trains, Trainspotting's been in my life for so long, I've kind of normalised all of it. Yeah. So I don't know how... Scottish it is how exclusively Scottish it is well Whereas, the first one didn't seem to be exclusively it didn't make a point yeah, like, of saying this is in Edinburgh it was just set in Edinburgh whereas Strangepotting 2 seems to be making a point yeah. that this is in Edinburgh this is a film about Scottish people doing Scottish things like <laughs> selling drugs <laughs> selling you, drugs taking drugs we've all drugs. done at some point in our lives don't lie uh, well it's it's part of the curriculum yeah how, how to deep fry a Mars bar, how to sell heroin. Yes, this part of my, our uh, GCSEs mm. was on a... It was a BBC Bite Size website on <laughs> pushing heroin. Ah, oh, this is going to go back to school crushes, isn't it? BBC Bite Size. Oh. Uh, did you ever use that site for for exams? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Whoa, mad days. <laughs> <laughs> that little fish. Mad fam. Yeah. We orange fridge. Right, should we wrap this up? Um... You got any more points to make about train spotting? Train spotting too, Paul. Um, no, it was just good. I would just say it was a good film. I just, I just hope it. It seemed to be a huge cultural thing in Scotland. Like everyone I was, I've been speaking to for the last two weeks has been like, "Have you seen Train Spotting Two yet? Are you gonna go see it?" Like it was a huge thing that everyone had to go and see. Yeah. And now that I've seen it, I'm like, yeah. I still went to see Trainspotting. It was okay. It was pretty good. Um, would I go outside for Trainspotting too? Would I go outside for T2 Trainspotting? Yeah. I would. I, I, mean, I would. I would. I'd, I'd go outside. Quite confidently, I would go outside the vault to see Trainspotting too. But only because I've seen the first one. <laughs> you know? I wouldn't know. Not see... You know what I mean? Because if I can this film stand up on its own right? No, it's a sequel. It's definitely a sequel. You have to. Judge it's a really a, good sequel. You have to always judge a sequel as a sequel. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, as a sequel, that works really well. Yeah, ties up all the loose ends. Which, I mean, it makes loose ends to tie up. That's the weird thing. Yeah. Because at the end of the first one, Renton just kind of I'm fucking off with money. Bye. And then uh, uh, Begbie gets arrested. Sick boy and Spud run away. And you don't really need to see how that that ended, but Trainspotting Two is like, oh, what happened though? Mm-hmm. And it very, uh, very successfully pulls you back in, tells you what's going on with these guys, and gives you a nice little, uh, nice little ending to mm-hmm. all the stories. Um, although originally Begbie was supposed to die at the end of this film, but uh, there is a third uh, novel in the Irvin Welsh series that may or may not be made into a film called something to do oh the knife artist it just came out last year 
Uh, it's about Begbie running away to to America to change his life, and he becomes an artist. So they think they might make that into a film. Thus, Begbie lives at the end of Trainspotting Two. That sounds mental. Yeah, yeah. One of my people, one of the my mates I work with, he he read it. It's says it's crazy. Like he he basically changes his life, finds finds peace in creating artwork. And has to come home for some reason, and all his like mental criminal mates are trying to egg him on to come back into, in you know, to the dark side, uh, and it's all about that challenge. So, they might make that into a third film. I'd watch that because I thought Begbie died, but obviously he didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah. Toilet, uh, entire toilet to the head. <laughs> He's hard. Apparently, doesn't kill you. Begbie's well armed. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I I would go outside for Transporting Two. Yeah, I'll go outside for Transporting Two. Um. Yeah. Good. Nice one. Nice one, Danny Boyle. You did it. You did it. Aye, let's see. Uh, Danny Boyle did 28 Days Later as well. Yeah, he did. Where does that fit into the canon? After. You think after? After. Do you think everyone goes fucking nuts on heroin? <laughs> so I think it's uh, Trainspotting 1. Uh-huh. Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. Trainspotting 2. Yeah. Potential Trainspotting 3. Knife Artist, maybe. Knife yeah, Artist. Yeah. Then 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later... Then sunshine. I suppose because of every yeah, because the world goes to shit. Then everyone, that's the uh, Danny Boyle cinema, cinematic universe. <laughs> I hope to see more from because I like I really enjoy make, trying to make cinematic universes out of films <laughs> that just are aren't clearly related, not because it's quite like there's people well there's a huge internet phenomenon of trying to connect all the Pixar films together. Yeah, I've seen that's great. The Pixar cinematic universe is it's just, it's insane though. Because you've got toys that are alive. You've got talking cars. You've got talking cars. And normal people. You've got uh, you've got all the magic witch stuff in Brave. Oh you've yeah. Got, you've got multiple multiple monsters inc dimensions, like doors that just are portals to like another world. Oh yeah. You've got Finding Nemo, which I get. I mean, Finding Nemo kind of just takes place. It's not part of. Apparently, the cinematic universe for Pixar, everything kind of connects. Yeah except Finding Nemo, because that's just going on in the sea. <laughs> you know, it's a fish. Um, but apparently, the whole crux of it is the witch in Brave is Boo from Monsters, Inc. What? That's, that's sort of the, the... That's apparently what ties it all together. It's madness. I need to... Because re- I've read this, but I need to read it again. Yeah. Because it is madness. But yeah, kind of trying to make cinematic universes out of things that are connected purely by a studio or a director. I think it's funny. It's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. So look out for more... uh, Danny Boyle's Marvel's (laughs) Harry Potter's... Disney's Danny Boyle cinematic universe. (laughs) That'd be good. Well, that's been episode 10, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it was a good one. Happy, happy 10th anniversary. Happy, happy 10th. Patch. Happy 10th episode, Robin. We did well. Yeah, I made you a cake from uh, things I found in the vault. I, I got you a full Fanny Beast's leg of beast. Thanks. What kind of a beast is it? Well, you never know. You never know with Fanny Beast's Fanny, Fanny Feast. Feast. Now sponsoring the Don't Go Outside <laughs> podcast. Till we get a real life one. <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We also have an Instagram if you do want to contact us with any topic ideas, any questions, anything at all, we like communication. You can send us an email at dgopodcast at gmail.com. And you can send us emails like this one we got from a young man called Julian 
Alfred Brumick Parsons. This is a real email we got, simply asking, did you get my letter? Slightly threatening. Um, I, I like how spam is taking this threatening edge. It's really fun. That's <laughs> all it says. There's no punctuation. Apparently the email is to mail at ucalgary.ca. So it's... I won't be the real email. No, but it's like to. Like it's sent to University of Calgary. It'll bounce through. Uh, they'll do something. What something. was the letter? That's what I want to know. There isn't a letter. But what... It's there to create an intrigue gap to make you want to email back. So if I was to email Julian back, being like, what letter? He'd be like, oh, the I meant to send you a letter. I need you to send me a thousand pounds for these funds from my granny's account or something like that. Scam, 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 scam. Uh, obviously it's a scam. I just, mm -hmm. like, to what end? Money, I suppose. Anyway. As always, guys, don't go outside because uh, Begbie's loose again and he might... Fucking chimpy. And as always, guys, don't go outside. Because nay cunts leave in this place till I find out what cunt glass that cunt. Oh. As always, guys, nay cunts going outside. <laughs> <laughs> Until we figure out what cunt has started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that one again. Oh, I don't I don't want to say the C word too much in this podcast. I think that may be over the line. Podcast, yeah. It might be I don't mind the swearing. I just think the C word might alienate a few of our uh more sensitive listeners. Yeah, so you can't say the C the word C if you're word. in America or in Canada. No, if you're you an can't. Australian or a Scottish man, then that's fine. Then it's okay cuz you just that, use that word all the time. That's just your culture. Yeah, your cunt, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As always, guys, don't go outside because I'm Begby and I'll stab you today. <laughs> oh, this is my Begby voice. It sounds just a lot like a tech boy. <laughs> tech, tech boy? Maybe a tech boy is an offshoot of Begby. Maybe they're Begby clones. <laughs> they're, they're just broken Begby clones. Broken Begby clones. <laughs> Broken Bregby brought Guys, for fuck's sake, don't go outside because Begby might uh, stab you. <laughs> nah, we gotta think of a better. Maybe yeah. not make it so Begby related. <laughs> it's just funny. It's funny. And as always, guys, don't go outside. There's the everlasting threat of addiction. <gasps> That's too serious. <laughs> <laughs> That's way too serious. <laughs> As always, guys, don't go outside because a junkie might stab you <laughs> for just for a bit of money for his next score. And there'll be mothers crying on the street and people bleeding on their feet and people moving to the beat of a different drum. <laughs> we can't finish this podcast. How can we end it? And as always, guys, don't go outside or you might end up like Spud with a bag over your head, high on drugs, choking in your own vomit on a flat in Pilton that's about to be demolished. If you're lucky, you and McGregor might come and save your life and take you on all kinds of Star Wars adventures. Look out for Obi-Wan origin story, Disney's Marvel's Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi 
returns from the brink of addiction and becomes the Jedi Knight he was always meant to be. Spud, a Star Wars story. <laughs> uh, I would, man, Spud should be in Star Wars. Yeah, big time. He'd be a good Star Wars character. He would. He'd be a good little, like, uh, a, a supporting, like, yeah. uh, not a rebel, but an informant. And as always, guys, don't go outside. Or we might do ten more episodes. Thank <laughs> you.